you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel. Jan- Daniel chapter 6, found on page 882. Daniel 6, 882. Listen to God's word. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the, to the kingdom, but they could not find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, and the satraps, the counselors, and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked, therefore King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew... When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house, where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king, Uh, Concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were were brought to him, and and sleep fled from him. Then at break of dawn the king rose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out, In a tone of anguish, the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? 
Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I, have, I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have not done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up from the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal domain, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall never, uh, shall, his dominion shall be, no, be to no end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. As I've mentioned before, I, one of my favorite passages in the Bible about prayer is Psalm 18. Let me read some of the psalm and, and let's let David picture for us what it's like to call upon the Lord and then to have God come to your rescue. And the way he writes it is really quite dramatic. And uh, as a little background um, to the psalm, David wrote this um, after God had delivered him from uh, his enemies as well as from Saul. That's what it says at the very beginning of that, that psalm. But just listen now, real quietly, and, and, and just sink in these words. This is David praying to the Lord, pleading with God to come to his rescue and help him. Verse 6, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind, verse 13. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded, verse 16. He reached down from on high, took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Don't you love that imagery? God ripped the heavens as he came down and he heard David's prayer and, and he comes to his rescue. Is that how you imagine God answering your prayer? Ripping apart the heavens? So eager to answer it? Sometimes he does. And sometimes we see him move like that. But for those of you who have been around for a while, you might remember when we studied Elijah. And uh, what happened to Elijah after Mount Carmel? He got really depressed, right? And so what did God do for, for, uh, for him? Well, he brought him and put him in the cleft of a mountain. And how did God reveal himself? He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in, in the, the earthquake. He wasn't in the wind. What was God in? A whisper. 
Was that whisper less powerful than all those other means? No. See, sometimes God surprises us the way he answers our, our prayers. And it's not always the way that, that we expect. We talk so often about becoming people of prayer. We know that our spiritual health, we know our church's health, depends on our willingness to pray. God loves you so much that he's given you this gift called prayer. It really is a gift. So that we might approach his throne night or day. He's never too busy for us. And through the prayers of his people, he allows his hands to be moved and his power released. Do you believe this? That's what it finally comes down to. Do you believe this? That through your prayers, God allows his hands to be moved and his power released. You know, the devil, he believes this. That's why he doesn't want us to pray. He knows there's power in prayer. And that's why he goes out of his way to make us doubt prayer, or at least make us too busy to pray, so we don't have time. Samuel Chandwick says this about prayer. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. So the question we need to ask ourselves is this. Is your prayer life making Satan tremble? Or does he laugh at it? How do you think Daniel felt about prayer? What does his actions tell us about how meaningful prayer was to him? You might remember from last time that the Babylonian Empire had fallen to the Medes and the Persians, and a new king was now sitting on the throne. And as it turned out, King Darius, he liked Daniel. He liked having him around. He liked him so much he was going to make him number two in all the land. Problem was, those other 120 satraps and some of the other noble nobles, they, they were jealous of Daniel. I mean, you've got to remember, Daniel was a foreigner. And usually a foreigner doesn't get to this place in, in, in a foreign government. But Daniel did, because he had the wisdom of God within him. And the other people were jealous of that. He distinguished himself, even above the other two that... We're supposed to be kind of overseeing everything, the, the 120 sad traps. And because he did, they wanted, the king wanted to make him, again, second in command. Well, those other men were very jealous of Daniel, and so they tried to put a plan in place. The problem was, Daniel was above approach, reproach. <laughs> they couldn't find anything. They couldn't point at him and find anything to point their finger at. Wouldn't you love for that to be our problem? To have people accuse us of that? He's just so nice. He's so honest. He's so good. Can't find any fault. And so they knew that they had to dig a little deeper. The only way they were going to catch Daniel was his relationship with his God. And so they chose prayer. I'm sure they thought their new plan was foolproof. Because they knew how vain the king was. 
And they encouraged the king to sign this into the law, law of the Medes and the Persians, which meant it couldn't be changed. Once the king signed it, it was like God speaking, and so nothing could change it. We're not told if the plan was to worship the king directly, or as we've said before, the king was often seen as the mediator between the people and, and their gods. If that was the role they wanted him to play, but regardless, you could only pray to King Darius for 30 days, or you would be thrown into the lion's den. What I find interesting about this, though, is how do you know who someone's praying to? How do you know? They knew because they knew Daniel wouldn't lie, that he was honest to a fault, and that when they asked him, he would say, I was praying to the one true God. I was praying to Yahweh. And so even after Daniel heard about the law being put in place, he did as he always did. He went into that upper room with the window facing Jerusalem, which the Jews associated with God's presence, and he prayed. Three times a day, he prayed. Clearly, Daniel's dependence on prayer shows us who he trusted in and where he saw his strength lying. I mean, if anyone could have said, well, you know, I'm a little busy. I mean, he's number, he's like number two in, in, in the empire, in the kingdom. You can just imagine all the responsibilities that Daniel had. If anyone should have said, wow, I'm just too busy today. I, I won't be able to make that noon prayer, but I'll try to get the other two. Or I wasn't able to get the first one and the noon one, but I'll for sure do the third one. No, daily, three times a day. He found the time to pray. That's what gave him the strength and the wisdom to rule as he did. I think it's clear as you study Daniel's life that prayer was as important to him as breathing. Daniel didn't just seek God when there was trouble. He didn't just seek God when there was problems in his life. But he went to God all the time with everything, with his joys, with his sorrows. His relationship with God was, was that important. And so our text tells us, despite the consequences, despite Daniel being fully aware of this trap that was being laid for him, he prays, and they throw him into the lion's den. The king's not happy about it. He did everything in his power to try to save Daniel. Clearly, the king respected this man. But there was nothing he could do. Because again, it was the edict of, of a king. And, and nothing could break that. It, it was like being the word of God. Well, you know the story. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. What kind of night do you think Daniel had? Probably enjoyed himself. Playing with the kitties. Right? <laughs> Did one of the cats let him sleep next to him? I don't know. They didn't bother him. There wasn't any trouble. I wonder if Daniel spent a lot of the night worshiping the Lord. The angel of the Lord, was that Jesus? Back in the Old Testament, making an appearance? You don't know. But clearly, he was in the presence of God. What about Darius? How do you think he spent the night? 
Well, we're told it wasn't a good night for him. He didn't have any entertainment brought to him, no food. This man was truly worried about Daniel, and he was upset that he, I'm sure that he had been put into that position. He's probably angry about what those 120 satraps did and their families, or at least the men who were responsible for this. Well, Daniel knew the joy of walking on water that night, so to speak. Not the king. Because of his unbelief, because he didn't have God in his life, he was in like a boat in the, in the, the waves of a, of, of a storm. At the first light of dawn, the king went out and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the lion's den, he called out, to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Well, I bet he, I'm, I'm sure he was thankful. He was ecstatic when he heard Daniel speak. O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in, the, in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. A testimony about the faithfulness of God just to see Daniel alive despite those hungry lions. And that's usually what they did. They kept the lions very hungry so that they would tear into whoever they threw down there. And then in a complete turnaround to our story, the king orders Daniel lifted out and the men and their families who caused this, they had their turn. And they didn't do so well. They had a, a rough time. And then in an incredible proclamation, the king says something you would have never expected him. It kind of sounds like Nebuchadnezzar all over again. He talks about how they needed to recognize Daniel's God, who truly was the one true God, whose eternal, powerful, sovereign rescues those who follow him. What an incredible statement for Darius to make. And once again, wouldn't you love our officials, our elected officials, to be able to claim something like this? That's how they saw God and trusted in him. So what can we take away from the story? What can we apply to our lives? Well, when I read this, this story, it, it, it fills me with longing. I hope it does you too. To be faithful in prayer like Daniel did. To have the passion for prayer like Daniel did. You see his passionate, disciplined prayer life and I want more of that in my own life. In our story, Daniel was given the choice to either stop praying or face death. And what did he choose? Death. That's how important prayer was. He'd rather go to the den of lions than stop praying. Is that how we look at prayer? Is that how passionate we are about prayer? Or have we forgotten the power of prayer and the gift that we've been given? Do you believe that your spiritual health depends on it? Do you believe that your children depend on it? Our church's future depends on it. Because if it does, then we've got to become men and women of prayer. Not just once in a while, 
not just when we're really feeling spiritual, but all the time, daily, needs to be one of our spiritual habits. King Darius, he saw the difference prayer made in Daniel's life. How about those who know you? Can they see the difference that prayer makes in your life? Do they see a peace? Do they see a joy? When Moses spent time with God, what happened to him? He came down from that meeting glowing, reflecting the glory of God. Is that how you are after prayer, after you've been in God's presence? You reflect his glory at work, to your friends, to your coworkers, to everyone who meets you. I remember a couple that lived near us in, in Tohatchi. They, they, they went to the church we went to in New Mexico. They were in their 80s. Um, maybe some of you have even heard this name, um, Juanita and Howard Redhouse. And they were uh, translators for uh, the missionaries for most of their life. Um, Howard's brother was a, a CRC pastor in, in the Four Corners area. And I remember going over and, and encouraging them, praying with them, they didn't have much of a trailer to look at. It was really run down. They didn't have much to their name. They were really quite poor. And when I met them, they were already in their 80s. And you could see the, the trials that they had faced in their life just etched on their face. Sometimes you can meet people like that. But I want you to know, when I sat at that table and prayed with them, it was like I was on holy ground. I prayed in English, they prayed in Navajo, it didn't matter. You could just feel God's presence in that room as, as we prayed. They loved the Lord, and it showed, especially as they prayed. Is that how it is for us? People heard you praying before the Lord where they feel like they're on holy ground. Well, Daniel and the Red Houses are wonderful, wonderful examples of, of prayer. They are really just a shadow when compared to Jesus, right? Despite his being the Son of God, he regularly found time to spend with the Lord. Even though he had been ministering until late at night, oftentimes yet he got up early while it was still dark, and went off by himself and prayed. Why did he need to pray so much? We've talked about this. Because he had to get to the cross. And he knew that if he was going to get to the cross, he had to be obedient to his father. He had to walk with his father in, in God's strength. And so he did that. He was an example to us. And if Jesus needed to spend time in prayer, how much more do we need to pray? living here on earth, still fighting the battle. Jesus, while here on earth, he told his disciples that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. Can we do any less? So keep on praying, not because God is hard of hearing, not because God needs to be pestered into answering our requests, not because God doesn't want to answer our prayers. We keep praying because God loves to hear from his children. We keep praying because God wants to know if we really mean it. We keep pushing in prayer because God has allowed his hand to be moved as his people pray. So don't grow weary of praying. 
for prayer divided the Red Sea. It rolled back rivers. It made water gush from a rock. It quenched the flames of fire. It disarmed vipers. It stopped the course of the sun and the moon. Opened iron gates. It won battles. Freed prisoners. And even muzzled the mouths of lions. King Darius could see the difference that prayer made in Daniel's life. People see the difference that prayer makes in your own. Pray like your life depends on it. Because it really does. Let's pray. Father in heaven, forgive us, Lord, for the times that we are so weak in our prayers. Lord, it's not our passion, it's our duty. And it shows, Lord. Father, we just pray that you might send your Holy Spirit upon us and give us that desire. Desire to spend time with you, to be in your presence. To come before you in prayer. Thank you for this incredible gift. Jesus, thank you for showing us why it's so important. And we just pray, Lord, that as we live in these last days, in many ways, wicked days. We pray, Lord, that we might be faithful, we might be men and women of prayer, and it might show, Lord, the time we spend with you. We ask this in Jesus' name.